Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. Media Podcast Network. All right, everybody, it's Tuesday, April 12th, 2022, and it is a heck of a morning here on MMAfighting.com and the MMAfighting.com Twitter spaces. Hope everyone's having a great week so far. Hope everyone had a fantastic weekend partaking in UFC 273 because it was a memorable event. A lot happened, and there is a lot to talk about. Of course, the night ended in just an incredible performance from Alexander Volkanovsky, who at this point, has to be in the conversation for the best pound-for-pound fighter on the planet. In my in my eyes right now, Volkanovski, after that win over the Korean Zombie, I don't know if he surpasses Kamara Usman, but there is a conversation to be had. That was a near-perfect game over a really good, tough opponent in the Korean Zombie, and Volkanovski just ran through him. That fight could have been stopped after the third round. Volkanovski and Zombie go out to start the fourth. Volkanovski starts lighting him up like he had done for the previous 15 minutes. Herb Dean, terrific stoppage. Volkanovski gets the win, gets the finish, which he needed, by the way. He needed to get a finish, in my opinion, to to move up those pound-for-pound rankings. So right now you can make a strong argument that he is maybe the third best, second best. You can even make the case that he's the best guy right now. In the world, pound for pound. That was an incredible performance. Hopefully, we get the Max Holloway trilogy fight next. But that was some performance from Alexander Volkanovsky. And then Aljamain Sterling defeats Piotr Jan. He is the undisputed, unified UFC Bantamweight champion. Split decision, close fight, very competitive fight. This was not a robbery. And if you want to know why, you can go back and watch. Or not watch, but go back and actually read my best friend Alexander Kaylee's robbery review because that's about as in-depth as you can get in terms of breaking that fight down. And worst-case scenario for Sterling, maybe you scored a draw, maybe you give Jan the first round, but certainly not a robbery. Very competitive fight. Aljamain Sterling came out, tremendous second round, tremendous third round. Those are clear rounds. Maybe you could give him a 10-8 in the second. You could probably make the discussion for a 10-8 for a thir- for in the third. I wouldn't. 10-8 second, I'm not going to argue with you if you scored it that way. And then Jan clearly won four and five, so the swing round was round one and super close round, very, very close round. But Aljamain Sterling exercises the demons, gets a just a gigantic weight off of his shoulders and gets a win over Piotr Jan. I have a feeling we will see those guys fight again in the next year or two. I would like to see how a third fight played out. Because even though Sterling has two official wins over Jan, a lot of people still feel like Jan won the first fight, even though he got DQ'd. So I wouldn't mind seeing a third fight between those guys down the road. And then, of course, the story of this entire card and the story of the aftermath is Hamzat Shemaev, who gets another victory, this time against Gilbert Burns. This time he didn't just run through somebody. Gilbert Burns came and played the game and was as tough as they come. But in the end, Hamza Chemaev wins a 29-28 unanimous decision across all three scorecards. And the reaction to this fight in Chemaev's performance is, is actually puzzling to me. It's actually shocking to me. Because in my eyes, I was like, wow. I mean, he got tested. Yeah, he made some mistakes. Yeah, you know, maybe the youthfulness, maybe not having that octagon experience against these top fighters. 
yeah, did it come into play? Sure, maybe a little bit. But for people to say, like, that this guy is not the real deal because he didn't run through a guy like Gilbert Burns, you're absolutely nuts. You are absolutely insane if you feel that way. I was actually really impressed by Shabayev on Saturday. Yeah, he didn't go out and bolt him in 18 seconds. Yeah, he didn't take him down and walk him across the cage and have a conversation with Dana White like he did with Lee Jing Leong. But Gilbert Burns, Gilbert Burns is seconds away from becoming the champion of the world, knocking off the guy, in many people's opinion, is the best fighter on the planet. He had Usman hurt. He got a little bit, a little bit reckless in there, and that probably cost him the chance to become the champion. But Gilbert Burns is the man. The guy is so tough, and he showed it in spades on Saturday night. And Shabayev went in there, overcame some adversity, was in big trouble in that second round. It looked like all the momentum, every piece, every semblance of momentum was on the side of Gilbert Durinio Burns. And Shamayev just bit down on his mouthpiece. He got through it. Burns as well. All-time great fight. And people are saying, like, eh, maybe we jumped the gun on Shamayev. Maybe he's not as good as we thought as we thought he was. What? What are you talking about? What are you talking about? I, I just don't understand it. I, I just don't understand why the guy beats the number two guy in the world in his, like, fourth UFC fight. Gets tested. Everyone talked about how big of a step up this would be. That this was the real test. Let's see if this guy's the real deal. And he goes out there and gets into an absolute war with Gilbert Burns and you question him? It's craziness. Now, now, can you ask the question, is he the favorite against Kamara Usman? Are you confident enough to pick him against a guy like Colby Covington? Yeah, there's questions now. But that doesn't mean he's not the real deal. We knew this could be a tough fight. But maybe the expectations for Shamayev were just, I mean, just they're just super high. They were just super high, almost impossibly high. And that was kind of the question heading into this fight was, how is he going to fare against, like, the number two guy on the planet? And then in the aftermath, I was like, did we just expect too much from this guy? Did we just, were our expectations just impossibly high? But I was super impressed. And I think that fight in the long run, does way more for Shamayev in his future than him just going out there and just ragdolling Burns and submitting him in, a, in like a minute and a half. He needed this fight. He needed something like this, and he's going to grow tremendously from it. Now, the Colby Covington idea, I wasn't into it. I really wasn't, but after this fight, I'm really, really into it. I think Leon Edwards will get his title shot. I mean, you have to give it to him at this point. Let Shemayev do his thing. Now, if you want to bring Shemayev back and do the Colby Covington fight five rounds on ABC, which is something that Dana White and the UFC are, are looking at right now, sign me up for that. I'm very intrigued by that fight, especially in a five-rounder. What happens in rounds three, four, and five? What happens if Shemayev can't just pulverize Colby Covington? What if it's the same kind of fight as Gilbert Burns? Now, maybe Colby doesn't have the, the punching power that a Gilbert Burns has, but he certainly has the gas tank. And if that fight gets deep, what's going to happen? What's going to happen if Shamayev just ha- if Colby has Shamayev up against the cage and he continues to try to chain takedowns and he gets him down and Shamayev gets up and he takes him down again? What's going to happen over the final 15 minutes of that fight? I am super fascinated by that one. So, in my opinion, tremendous performance, stock risen for Hamza Shamayev despite him not running through Gilbert Burns. Good win for Mackenzie Dern. Close fight. A lot of people thought Tisha Torres won that fight. I would be one of those people, but very close fight. Mark Matson gets the win over Vince Michelle. He remains undefeated at 12-0. Ian Gary gets a decision win over Darian Weeks. He's still undefeated 9-0. Great fight between Anthony Hernandez and Josh Fremt. Hernandez gets the win there. Raquel Pennington, great performance against Aspen Ladd. Julio Arce, good win against Daniel Santos. Unfortunately, he missed weight. Pierre Rodriguez. Good one over Kay Hansen, Alexio Linick, win number 60. We got to rock the 60 wins graphic. And then Mike Malott, in my opinion, was probably the prelim story of the night, without a doubt. He knocks out Mickey Gall, ferocious knockout, and then he gets on the microphone, cuts a great promo, comes to the back with us at the post-fight press conference. Just an emotional scrum talking about his coach, talking about 
things he's he's dealt with with his own family, his coach's daughter who's battling cancer, telling the story about how 10 fans in the crowd at Vistar Veterans Memorial Arena pulled together a little over $1,000 in an envelope. So as he's walking back after knocking out Mickey Gall, fan just hands him an envelope with like $1,000 plus in there to donate to this cause for his coach and his 15-year-old daughter who's suffering from cancer. I mean, I mean, you can't... And then says, because Mike Bullock paid to the cause, which she said was $10,000. Dana White comes to the back. I ask him about that. And Dana says, tell Mike to keep his money. I'm going to match his win and his show money. And we're going to donate that. And I have a feeling more money is probably coming, coming that cause's way as well. So a plus effort from Mike Bullock. I think he was the preliminary star of the night. And then just uh, a very memorable great force from Volkanovsky. Great competitive fight between Sterling and Jan. Sterling gets the win. And then Hamza Shemayev gets it done against Gilbert Burns. So I, I'm feeling this is going to be the Shemayev show. As it, I mean, it, I'm blown away by uh, by all the reactions to this fight. So if you got some things to say, we're going to go from shows we will because we have a lot to discuss. Let's get. To, let's see what the peeps things. I'm outside of my uh, on my patio, so if you hear random vehicles or motorcycles, maybe even the occasional lawnmower, that is. MNAS, are you there? Hey, what's up? We got you. What's going on? Well, I'm calling in all the way from Egypt. I just wanted to ask about uh, oh, wow. hey. You're good. You're good. Yeah. Okay. I just wanted to ask um about the perception of the Shimaev's Shimaev uh, result. I mean, in my opinion, um, Adesanya, the current you know uh, gold standard for top performances, him and Usman, of course, um, suffered way more against uh, Gastelum and uh, possibly against um, uh, Vittoria as well. And yet people remained quite high on Adesanya as, as he went up uh, through the ranks and got his title. Why do you reckon that uh, Chimaev is, uh, you know, is it because uh, expectations, like you said, of him, of his, uh, of his potential were so high? And regarding Chimaev, do you think that he would benefit from, I mean, his skill set and his strength are not in doubt, but do you think he would benefit by moving camps to somewhere like a Trevor Whitman where he can really plan uh, his tactics and his fight game, uh, you know, fight by fight a little bit more uh, conclusively? Is that something that you think he, he will need eventually down the line, you know, if he is to cement himself as one of the, the greats? Thank you. Thank you, Abnas. Wow, Egypt. So this might be that might be the first call we've ever had from Egypt on this show. Um, the camp thing, I, I think he's fine where he's at. He's got a a good team. He's got a lot of good fighters there. It's not like he's the the big fish in the small pond. He's one of the bigger fish in a very deep pond. I mean, they they got some fighters. They got some really good up and comers. Darren Till's there. They got guys like Guram Kutatalatse. I mean, they they got. Alexander Gustafson is there. I mean, they got legit guys there and they have really good coaches. So I don't think it's a, it's, it's a matter of camp. And then as far as the other thing goes, kind of comparing him to Adesanya and stuff like, I think at this point when we see, we, we understand who Adesanya is, right? We, we understand that sometimes he's a counter striker. Sometimes he's going to fight another counter striker. And sometimes maybe those styles, excuse me, don't match up very well. Maybe it's not as aesthetically pleasing as him fighting a, Brad Tavares or somebody like that, where he can get off and, and get in a rhythm and, and do his thing. This is, this is different. I just think you, you think about some of like the great movies that have come out, like, like for his, I, I would say right now, because I've had a conversation with, with a buddy about this recently, the Batman movie, the new Batman movie. And I went in high expectations. I thought it was good. I thought it was a little long for my taste. And then I told a friend, I'm like, listen, it's a really good movie. I, I really liked it. He goes, oh, everyone's telling me it's the greatest movie of all time. And then he goes and sees it. He's like, eh, it was fine, but it wasn't the greatest movie of all time. And I just think sometimes you go into those things, whether it's sports or movies or a television show, with just impossibly high expectations to match. And I think that's what happened here. And honestly, like you could still have incredibly high expectations of Shemaev. I think he surpassed them in my eyes. 
I think he surpassed Shemayev because we got to see him tested. Because Gilbert Burns is no joke. And anyone who says that Shemayev is not the real deal, not only do I feel like you're disrespecting Kamzat Shemayev, I feel like you're disrespecting Gilbert Burns. Because Gilbert Burns, despite the loss, deserves all of our respect. Because that was a ridiculous fight. And at the end of the year, when we're doing our award shows, that that fight alone is going to be up there for fight of the year. There's like two rounds that could be up there for round of the year. I mean, it was an incredible fight. It was an incredible fight. One of the all-time great fights. And we're out here questioning Shemaev and disrespecting him and disrespecting Gilbert Burns. It's insane. Absolutely nuts, in my opinion. Maybe, maybe you think I'm not. Maybe you think I'm crazy, but I think you're crazy if you feel that way. Let's bring in motivated Andy, who is ready to go right off the jump. Motivated Andy, what's up? Hey, good morning. Um, I I know that you're surprised by the nature of MMA fans, but uh, them <laughs> riding off. Shemayev after a three-round war with a number two in his fifth fight in the UFC. I mean, my cat, come on. He, he, he's overhyped. Uh, no, I mean, that performance, I think, was, for me, the second best case scenario for Shemayev. A war proves himself. Uh, but imagine if he had gone out there and knocked out Gilbert Burns in the first. Um, in terms of him fighting next, do you do we really want to see him against Kobe, though? Not saying that I don't have confidence, just the stages are getting magnified more. And even though it is an appropriate step, it might be fighting off a little bit more than he can chew just right now. I mean, we saw the war. Who knows? I, it, it, I'm in a position where it's a very close fight between him and Kobe, but... Maybe if he gets one right before, like the winner or loser, Bilal Muhammad versus Luke, and then a Kobe, and then a title shot. But I don't know. Am I wishful thinking? What would you like to see out of him? It's a it's a good question, motivated Andy. I, I mean, here's here's the thing because I've been asked that a few times because we obviously hosted on to the next. Me and AK did on to the next one, and this is uh asked many times from us uh, of us if. I mean, heading into this fight, we were all like, Hamza Chemaev is about to leapfrog Leon Edwards and fight Kamara Usman. We all thought that. If he goes out there, wins, and has a great performance, forget Colby, forget anybody else. This guy is fighting for the title next against the top pound-for-pound guy on the planet in the minds of a lot of people. So I don't think Colby is a is a bridge too far because who else is he going to fight? Like, Luke Mahab. Yeah, I just don't think you're just – I just don't think – if you're going to put Shemayev on an ABC card, which is a massive deal in the United States, fighting on ABC, the history that combat sports has had on ABC, especially in the boxing world, wide world of sports, all that stuff. No offense, and I, and I, I, I think Vicente Luque is probably the most underappreciated fighter on planet Earth right now. I like Bilal Muhammad a lot. Great personality, great fighter. But who is going to draw more eyeballs? It's Colby by 20 gazillion miles. And again, I'm not trying to disrespect Bilal Muhammad and, and disrespect Vicente Luque, but just, I, I think just the interest is there. We're, we're trying to get this guy into a title fight. Colby is the guy. Now, uh, now here's the question. Will Colby take the fight? Because is, is the risk there? Does the risk-reward factor line up for Colby? And Colby has done a great job at sort of getting the correct fights. Guys with big names, but guys that he's clearly better than in specific areas. I mean, just look at the resume. The guys did a great job sort of laying out his career and laying out these fights. Will he take this fight with Shemaev? Will he wait and maybe find himself in a rematch with Jorge Mazadal because of everything that's happened behind the scenes? I've talked to Colby before. He has said he will take the Shabaya fight. If that's the if that's the fight the UFC wants to book, he will take it. And if I'm Colby, that fight is a lot more interesting now because he might feel like he could beat him. He might feel like he could beat Shamayev right now. And I'm sure he felt that way to begin with. But he might actually have watched that fight and been like, you know what? Maybe I should get this guy now. 
Why wait till he potentially wins the title to fight him? Let's get this guy now. Dude got punched in the face really hard a lot of times by Gilbert Burns. He looked human. Why not fight him now? And just think about this for Colby, too, because he wants to get back to a, to a third fight with Kamar Usman. And the road to getting to that third fight seemed like it was a really long one. But now, if he goes out there and beats Hamzat Shemaev, hands him his first L, does it on ABC, he fight, he's going to get that fight with Usman again, even though he's lost to him twice. He will earn that third fight. So if he wants the shortest path to a third fight with Usman, another shot at the welterweight title, this is probably his best, this is probably his best chance. Probably his best chance to do it and do it as quickly as possible. So matchup-wise, it's interesting, and I understand the question, but I feel like Shemaev's in a position right now where if he goes out there and loses to Colby, yeah, some people on Twitter will be like, oh, this guy sucks, which I still won't get. But at least it's like, all right, Colby's really good. And we've all been saying it. Colby, if Kamar Usman wasn't in the picture, Colby's the best welterweight in the world right now. So if he goes out there and loses to the, to the second best welterweight in the world in everybody's eyes, eh, it happens. There's like a built-in thing for, for some people, but I think it's got to be the Colby fight at this point. Um, it just is what it is. Let's bring in Christopher. Christopher, what's up, buddy? Good, yeah, you? Not too bad, man. Not too bad. Um, I've got two questions for you, and apologies in sure. advance for breaking up the Hamzat Burns conversation. Uh, um, so the first one is, I was really excited for Piero Rodriguez's debut on Saturday, Some someone I've been following for a while. And I thought she looked quite lackluster and maybe she had those, you know, those UFC jitters, right? Um, so my question is, I guess, what happens to Kate Hansen at this point? I mean, Piero wasn't great and still beat her. Um, does she go back to Invicta? Is she done at the UFC? That's my first question. Um, my second question is with onto the next one. I've always wondered how the hell does one submit picks? Like, are we tweeting you guys? Are we emailing you? Uh, I'd just like to get involved with the onto the next one. So that's, uh, that's my questions. Thanks buddy. Uh, to address the onto the next one question, you can either DM myself or AK AK his DMS are open on Twitter and Instagram. So you can submit your picks there. You can hit me up on Instagram. Uh, that's where most of the picks come in that I read. You can hit us up on Twitter. AK usually leaves his email address as well. Uh, I don't think we actually put that out there this week. Normally we do at the end of every show because we just assume, because we've done like 85 of these that people know by now, but then we realize that, you know, we're not Ariel. We don't have the biggest show in the world. So uh, those are the ways to submit your picks for on to the next one. Uh, just, a quick thing, just make sure you get them in early because we usually record those episodes like 10 a.m. Eastern time. Uh, so just be prepared for that. Uh, Kay Hansen, yeah, I think I, I think I think it's probably best for her. I know she's young and she's taken. I mean, she's taken a lot. She's also been through a lot these last 18 months, two years. She's been very open about some of the issues she's had in her life. I did an interview with her that, I mean, just kind of shocked me with the with the eating disorder and you know, everything that she's gone through. It's been, it's been a pretty wild road for such a young fighter, but in terms of just developing as a fighter, I think, I think the UFC probably just kind of cuts bait at this point. And just like, listen, go off, go fight for Invicta, go fight for the Titan FCs, the CESs, the LFAs of the world, go fight for them, get some more experience, you know, get a couple wins and we'll bring you back. Cause I, I think Angela Hill is like a great example. Comes in super young, goes on the ultimate fighter, suffers some losses. She goes back to Invicta, becomes a champion, just running through girls, and then comes up and comes back up, gets the call, and she's, you know, she's had some really tough fights, and maybe her record doesn't show just how good she actually is. But her going back to Invicta was like the best thing that could have happened to her. So maybe we look at Kay, Kay Hansen the same way. And then with Piera, yeah, she we talked to her after the fight. She was definitely nervous. The Bruce Buffer announcement, you could tell. Like, go back and watch Bruce Buffer introducing her. You could see her emotions change. Like, oh, my, I am fighting in a UFC fight right now. But then there's a certain point in that fight, like maybe like midway through the second round, where she was like, all right, what am I doing? Let's go. And then she, the, the, 
the switch flipped and then she got after it and beat K the rest of the way. So yeah, for, for those who were looking at Pierre Rodriguez as, Oh, I can't wait to see her debut. Yeah. But I think, I think sometimes that first fight just sort of gets the best of you kind of gets in your mind a little bit. And I think that's sort of what happened to her, which she sort of admitted. So the Bellator champion series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com slash watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Let's bring in our old buddy, our old pal, New York Rick. Good morning, buddy. How's things going on this Tuesday? Heck of a morning, Mike. Heck of a morning. Um, I just heard you make make an eloquent case for Colby Covington and Hamza Chemaev. I want to offer a bit of a counter, a, a bit of a counter proposal for you. If you're Colby Covington sure. and looking at Hamza Chemaev and sitting on two losses to Kamaru Usman, one by TKO, one by relatively uh, dominant decision, if you're sitting there looking at that and then trying to carve your path back to the title maybe maybe perhaps it could be better to be looking up at middleweight where israel adesanya is looking for contenders is starting to lap the division fight guys twice um guys who maybe wouldn't have been getting title shots in other divisions are now getting title shots uh at 185 if you're colby covington rather than potentially go through the ringer uh, with Hamzat Shemaev, I have a little bit of a different take. I don't, I don't necessarily feel that if I was watching that Hamzat Shemaev fight, I would think that Hamzat looked human or vulnerable. I'd be looking at that fight and thinking, damn, he just jumped up in his fourth UFC fight and put it on the number two guy in the division. I don't know if I'd want those problems. Um, so if I'm Colby Covington sitting there, perhaps maybe I'm looking at 185 as a, as an actual quicker path back to the title or maybe um, easier path of least resistance. Um, I'll hang up and listen. Your child agrees with you, New York Rick, and that that's always good to have the support of the uh, of those close to you. Listen, I mean, if if the UFC called him right now and said, "Hey, Cannoneer's not going to be ready for International Fight Week. You want to fight Adesanya for the middleweight title?" He's going to say, "Okay, let's do it." So yeah, it is the shorter path to the title. I don't. I mean, at the same time, like I, I don't think it's the style. I I, I don't. With Shamayev, I think one thing that Colby probably saw that got him excited was as good as Hamzat was, in my opinion. Hamzat got a little tired down the stretch. Got a little tired. He's winded. I mean, after a fight like that, I think most people would. But there's one guy you could probably put a couple bucks on that probably wouldn't get that tired in a fight like that, and it's Colby. So Colby's probably looking at it thinking, all right, if I can, get, if I can push this guy a little bit for like 10 or so minutes, if I can get this guy tired, then it's my fight. Then I can do whatever I want. I could take him down. I could just, he'll get up. I'll take him down again. I'll just, I'll just tire him out. 
And then for the next 10 minutes, I'll, I'll just wear on them. Might not be the most aesthetically pleasing thing. The crowd may not love it, but at least I see something there. Now, obviously, if Adesanya is there and there's an opportunity, sure. Why the hell not? But I just don't know, like, unless they just give him a middleweight title fight, what's the path there? Does he fight Whitaker? Does he fight Vittori after they fight? Does he fight somebody else to try to earn that spot? Or does he just get right into a middleweight title fight? So I think I think if the UFC called him and said, hey, we're going to give you two choices. You could either headline International Fight Week and fight Israel Adesanya for the middleweight title, or you can headline ABC against Hamza Shemaya five rounds, and if you win, you go fight Kamar Usman. Yeah, you take the former. You go and, and, and get the title shot that's right there waiting for you. And Colby's expressed interest in, in taking that fight because Chael Sonnen put that out into the universe and he really liked that idea. But so those are the two choices, but I would say cannon air probably gets a shot. And then I don't know, maybe Colby can fight Hamzad and then fight Whitaker or excuse me, Adesanya. If he goes out there and beats cannon air, who knows? I mean, the, it's, it's kind of too early to tell at this point, but I think right now Colby is probably going to want to stay at 170, get that big fight with Shamaya. But even if he loses to Hamzad, He's still got other fights. He can go fight Mazadal again. Anybody in this division will want to. So it's he's in an interesting position right now. Let's get to not the above ground MMA rhino, the underground MMA rhino. What's up? Good morning. What's up, man? So uh, calling from Michigan. What I wanted to say about the whole Kamsat uh, uh, Love and uh, Burns fight is the way I looked at it is we already knew that Kamzat was good. I mean, when you look at his background, who comes into, you know, MMA in these last couple of years, mows the grass in the first round on four guys straight and, you know, comes in and takes on a, a top contender. He's mainly a, a very high-class grappler. Uh, and so we, I kind of knew that he was going to do good. What really I took out of the fight was why'd you take him down if you didn't want to actually go to the ground with him? Did you only want to take his back? Uh, are you just scared of his, you know, jujitsu, which I understand, but why'd you take him down if you were too scared to even attempt that? So is that something that you're in the future? If you're a jujitsu person, Kamzat doesn't want to, you know, roll with you at all. You know, it, I mean, and the other part is, you know, going to a decision on that, does it really make him now the third contender with a decision or would that just have because of his height? So we're kind of getting the other side here from the underground MMA ride or not as, not as extreme as, as some of the other takes that I've got, but yeah, I mean, listen, Hamzad is a monster on top and if he took him down and got the positions that he wanted, he thought that would be easier. Who knows? And then maybe he saw that Gilbert was was a little bit more scrambly, a little more scrappy than he had thought, and sort of changed course. Realized, hey, I'm 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 hurting this guy on the feet a little bit. I don't want to get caught in, in any kind of a scramble that puts me in in a compromised position. I'm just gonna get back up. So maybe he just thought like I'll take him down, I'll get on top of him, and I'll have my way with him. Maybe he underestimated Gilbert's ground game. Maybe he just thought like I'm the bigger, stronger guy. It is what it is. But Gilbert's the man. Gilbert is super good. He's super good everywhere. And you can tell he's super good on the feet too. And he's got heart for days. It was just, it was just such a good fight that my whole thing is I wish we could appreciate the fight more for what it was, at least as a community. I think a lot of us do and realize how great that fight actually was, but then it turned into meh. Hamza was overhyped. Eh. The media made Hamza bigger than he actually was. Eh. He's human. Don't really care as much about him. Usman would destroy him. I mean, these are just awful takes. I'm sorry. They're all awful takes. Would I favor Usman against Shemaev right this second? Maybe. It's close. It's much closer than it was. And that's not a knock on Shemaev. Again, I think just our expectations for this guy were impossible to reach. And he did that. But to say that this guy, that Usman would run him over, that Colby would run him over, I think it's just, it's it's just not true. It's just not true. They're closer line fights right now, but to think Shamayev has no chance against either of those guys because he went to a decision with Gilbert Burns is just, it's just not true. It's just not true. That's why I think the Colby fight actually makes sense right now because 
We'll see if he's if he's there for Usman. We'll see. If he can go out there and beat Colby, I mean, there's no doubt. The the vibe would actually change if he went out there and beat Colby, no matter how he did it. If he beat Colby in the decision, if he stopped Colby, oh, I told you so. This guy's as good as I told you. I mean, the the everything flips. It's just this sport is silly. It's crazy and it's fun and I love it. Let's get to Patrick. We'll take a few more. Patrick, what's up, man? Mike. What up? Uh, heck of a sport we follow, huh? Heck right? of a pay-per-view, man. Uh, it was. You know, shout out to Rick's picks. Um, he, he was the first one. He was so adamant about Aljo, and I was kind of like, oh, this is a homer pick. You know, he doesn't want to, like, get it out of the good graces of um, – that whole camp, you know, with Al and, and Aljo and Matt Sarah, all those guys, you know, he's New York Rick. He can't go against them. But then when you went down there on site and you started to actually open my mind a little bit to the possibility that, uh, you know, maybe maybe Aljo is in the, the right mindset to, to get this W. And Aljo just had to remember that he – goes on someone's he slips on someone's back about as easy as a 1997 Jan sport you know what i mean <laughs> <laughs> he was just so, great I mean, he just slipped on there man like a liquid and uh and then once he's on there he's sticky and so props to him man i was really impressed by that um and i thought a uh, storyline for the the main course the three main course meal was uh emotion it was really interesting to see that um i think in the aljo fight Piotr jan was um was very emotional in, in the first few rounds and those mistakes that he made by being emotional was what uh allowed aljo to to get his back and to swing the momentum to where he couldn't recoup in the later rounds, you know, he was down those three rounds and he needed a, a finish, I think, in my opinion, to win in, in the fourth and the fifth. And he just uh, wasn't able to do that, you know, and uh, you could see he was loading up on his punches and he was uh, he was frustrated and he was, you know, I think I think maybe he just thought that after the first fight that he could do the same thing again. And um, and then in the Gilbert Burns fight, I think the opposite happened where um Gilbert Burns was like I'm just gonna kill this guy like I have nothing to lose everyone's on the Hamzat train I'm just gonna like go all out like I, I literally act like I'm gonna kill this guy do you see the soccer kick I haven't really heard anyone talking about when he he, <laughs> he tried to kick his head off there like that was an illegal strike and he's just like I don't care like I'm taking this guy out and uh um in the way he pushed him off at the end of that round just like um that that was an amazing fight and and I gotta say I um it definitely took some took so much shine off of what uh Hamza has done in the sport, but I mean it's kinda like Hamza was pitching a perfect game and going into like the seventh inning and he gave up a couple runs, you know what I mean? But he still got the W in this match um because he was uh, he had such a big lead you know going into this match um but so uh i'm still yeah i think it, it proved a lot for him to to get through that war and um i just gotta say the the last thing i'm a big fan of fluffy hernandez man that was a great fight i haven't heard anyone talk about that fight either that thing was back and forth and he was doing some real slick you know, I think he's so confident with his grappling right now. He's doing a lot of slick submission attempts and uh, got into some crazy positions and, and just kind of – it seemed like he was uh, just feeling himself and having fun in there. And that's the other side of the emotional aspect of the sport that I think is is underrated, um, that when people are having fun in there, um, it it usually translates to success. You know, when you're not overthinking things, and um, I think maybe Hamza was overthinking things a little bit too much too. But, uh, anyways, the uh, freaking asymmetrical mullet that Fluffy was rocking with the 
you know, tattoo accented into the hairstyle, dude. Um, that was cool, man. So, anyways, those are my little uh, my little thoughts for the weekend. And uh, have a heck of a afternoon, Mike. Thank you, Patrick. Always great to hear from you, sir. Yeah, Fluffy Hernandez is a badass. He's only getting better. He's still a really young guy. Great performance. I knew that fight with Josh Trump was going to be good. And it delivered in, in a big way. And unfortunately, the rest of the card kind of made you forget about a lot of the other things that happened. And great performance from Fluffy Hernandez. The Aljamain Sterling thing, listen, I told I, – ever since I got here, ever or not here, but ever since I got to Jacksonville, Aljamain Sterling made a lot of people believers. He meant – you could tell that this was not promos he was cutting. These are not manufactured things he was saying. He truly believed everything that he was saying. And – that's a really good point, Patrick, as well, that normally in the first round with Piotr Jan fights, he goes out there and he, he'll land and he'll throw, but usually the first round, he's not ultra-aggressive. He usually uses that round to kind of figure out what's going on, try to work on tendencies and things like that. This is a different Piotr Jan in the first round. This is a guy who got after it. He's much more aggressive. I feel like he sort of threw that game plan out the window. And maybe that's to his detriment a little bit. Maybe Sterling saw something because he took over in rounds two and round in round three, got the takedowns, took the back. Obviously, as John does, he got better as the fight progressed. But I think Sterling was just out to too much of a lead at that point that Sterling just realized, like, hey, I just need to go out here and and survive and make it to the make it to the final horn, and I'm going to win the fight. So good on him. I mean. Piotr Jan will be back. I think he's he's a super good fighter. One of the one of the best. I mean, one of the best. Skill for skill, he's right up there. But is a just see a guy go through so much like Aljamain did. The way he won the title, fans are telling him like, lean into this thing, lean into it. He does what you say. Leans into the whole I'm the champion thing. He's a cheater thing. Just like everybody wanted him to, do. and then he gets absolutely dumped on for it. Then the next surgery, having to pull out of the fight in October, got absolutely crucified for that. And then the whole build to this fight. It was, again, it was one of those things where everyone just thought Jan was going to run through him, and, and Sterling showed that he's, he's his game is to come. And you just got to be happy for him. As a person, if, even if you're a Jan fan, you should be like, look, got to give this guy at least a golf clap after this long road to get back in there and to beat a guy like Piotr Jan. I mean, that's impressive. That was impressive. And if anybody deserves to go on a, a victory lap of sorts, it's 100% Aljamain Sterling. Let's bring Tristan Gordette in here. We're going to take like two or three more. What's up, buddy? Yo, can you hear me? Yes. What's up? Uh, Mike, speaking about what Hamza and the Burns fight, this fight reminds me and it's in parallel with the Justin Gaethje and Michael Chandler fight. And I put Chimaev and Chandler in the same boat in the sense of, remember, coming into the UFC, a lot of people felt Chandler didn't deserve to fight top five guys. It was like, how's this guy fighting the top five guys? Yeah, he he went to yeah he's from Bellator, but the competition is not as good as the UFC. And I, I this fight went very similar in a way with Shamayev and Chandler because they threw strategy out the window. If you go back to the post press conference with Shamayev, Shamayev was like. So I was just like, yeah, I didn't listen to my coaches. It's the same thing Chandler said. It just threw, threw strategy out the window completely. And it was like, I'm ready to go to war. I'm ready to show that I am. I belong with these top five guys. That And that's and this Chandler and Shemayev were saying the same thing. Literally, and both coaches from each camp, like Chandler's coach was screaming at Chandler, like, dude, yo, are you listening? And, and like... Like Chandler was waiting on me. Get out the octagon, dude. Get out the octagon, man. I'm ready to go. I'm I'm ready to go to war. And this is the same thing with Shamayev. Shamayev wanted to get into war and wanted to show I'm as tough as these guys too. I'm at people was like, yo, you know, you're not as tough. You're not as as tough as these top five guys. You're like, I'm going to prove I'm top five. I'm not gonna. I'm strategies out the window. And what and what was it happening? Like Shamayev's coach was screaming at him. Literally just screaming at him like, you're not listening. What are you doing? You know, so I just I just felt like it threw strategy out the window. They wanted to show how tough how they are. They wanted to show that they belong here. And I think with Shamayev, Shamayev said, like, that's not going to happen again next time. 
when I fight Khabib, that's not going to happen. Like, I'm going to really strategically do what I need to do to get that win because he wants to be champion. So I, it just showed me that, yeah, yeah, of course, you know, Shamar got dropped. You know, he got, he got, he got dropped, and you know, but he showed, hey, I got a chin. I could, I could roll with these guys. You know, Dana White said it, man. When you, when you get to the top five, people think it's easy. It's not easy, man. Once you, once you start fighting the top five guys in the world, it's, it's gonna be tough, man. It's not, it's not gonna be a cakewalk. You know what I mean? It's not gonna be cakewalk. So you got, you got to understand and put everything in perspective of where Shamayev came from. You know. To fight, only have four fights, and then actually, and then fight the number two guy in the world, and then actually win—that's an accomplishment in itself. So, what do you, you know, what do you think the parallels between Chandler and Gaethje and Shamayev and Burns? How, do you think it's parallel as well? You know, what's your thoughts on it? Thanks, Mike. Thank you, Tristan. Um, yeah, I mean, listen, there's some similarities, but. Here's the big difference. Big differences. Shamayev won and Chandler didn't. That's the big difference. There are some similarities. They both threw strategy out the window, but Shamayev won the fight and Chandler didn't. Chandler lost the last two rounds. He had a big moment in the first, but I mean, Justin Gaethje took over at that point while Shamayev was able to just get through a really rough second round and, and come back and win the third. So uh, that'd be the big difference. Shamayev got the Duke. Chandler got a lot of praise for being as tough as they come. But in the end, Shamayev gets the win for it. All right, we're going to get through these real quick. Hendo Slice, what you got? The show, huge fan. I've been listening. Love it. So. Um, I wanted to appreciate that, man. Yeah, I wanted to talk. Actually, I, it was it was a huge night for MMA. I think you know, like Volk, my boy showed he's one of the best in the world. The Shamaya fight is going to be legendary. Everyone's going to talk about that forever. But I wanted to talk a little bit about the Sterling fight, and Sterling deserves all the credit in the world for that upset. But just a little a little sliver of credit, I think, should go to Ray Longo because I just I just I've always been a fan of his like wacky energy and just a rational like confidence but also his game planning and if you look at his history right like he 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 was the, the corner for Sarah beating GSP he was the corner for Weidman beating Silva twice you know and now this one too like I th- do you think there's something to his coaching style that allows him and his fighters to pull off huge upsets in particular or is it just like it's a, it's that's how MMA is you know Good question. Uh, Ray Longo's the man. I mean, that, that, that scene after the second round, he was like, look at him, the MFR. It was, it was just amazing. It was just amazing. And he was also really smart. Like, gave Aljo, like, that big boost of confidence. Like, look what you did to this guy. And then he also, as soon as he sat down, he goes, all right, you demoralized him. You humiliated him. Now he's going to come back and try to knock your head off. He's just really good at that, man. He's just so good at that. At getting the best out of his fighters and good, good at strategizing that whole team. And on top of that, like Alger's doing such a good job. Like he led with Longo, had had his guys, like he had his guys in his corner. But also during during his build to the fight, he's out in Las Vegas. He's training with Extreme Couture. He's training training with Eric Nixick. He's getting different looks and different feedback from some of the best coaches in the game, working with some of the best fighters in the game. But then when it's game time, he realized. I got to go with my guys. I got to go with my guys. And Ray Longo is that guy. Tremendous job coaching. Tremendous game plan from Aljo. Tremendous from everybody. Aljo was fantastic all week. He made himself believe that he could beat Piotr Jan when everybody else thought he was going to lose that fight. Except for New York Rick. Aljamain Sterling believed. And he made other people believe. And I believed him. I believed him. I believed him all week long. And that's why... From Tuesday to fight night, Aljamain Sterling made that fight more interesting to me. That was that fight grew on me as the week progressed, mostly because of Aljamain Sterling. And Ray Longo did his job. Ray is, is is fantastic. KRL, what's up? 
Hey, Mike. Uh, can you hear me? Hey, buddy. Hey. Yes, sir. Um, I have two quick things. Uh, the first thing uh, regarding the uh, the last Kay Hansen interview that you did, um, I think that if she wanted to, she could put her nose to the ground, work her ass off, and become a lot better and have more success, maybe in Invicta or elsewhere. But I know a lot of people with eating disorders, and I was talking to them about this while we were watching um, on Saturday, and they agreed that, look, having an eating disorder in a sport that so strongly focuses on your body, on your weight, on your BMI is is only possible if you are going to let the disorder get worse. And I almost feel like she would be better off in the long run mentally if she did something else. Now, it's not my place to say what she should or shouldn't do, but eating disorders can kill you. Like, there's there's no joke about that. Like, they can be really, really hard to deal with, and I, and I wish the best for her. But I just wanted to say that. Um, and then... Uh, uh, secondly, I was listening to the first half of Fighter and the Writer this morning, and Josh Emmett and uh, Matt Brown were talking about open scoring and everything. And uh, and they both scored the first round of, of Peter Yan versus Sterling for Yan. And Matt Brown was so pissed anybody could ever see for Algernon Sterling. But the way I see it is, and it's okay, like you can score it for Yan, but at least do it for the right reasons. Say, I think Peter landed the harder strikes. Fine. But what they kept saying is, like, Peter was had better cage control. And I'm like, that doesn't matter unless they threw the exact same strikes the exact same amount of times. Cage control does not even factor in. So I just wanted to say that I think that it's okay to score it for Jan, but you got to at least give a reason that follows the scoring criteria because they think that cage control is still a predominant part of the scoring criteria. A uh, uh, huge fan of the show, and that's all I got. Thanks, buddy. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm with you. And I I will tell people, go back and watch that first round a couple more times. I'll say watch it twice in a row, just normal like you were watching on pay-per-view, and then watch it a third time on mute. I think the more you watch it, the more you side with Sterling. But if you still want to give it to Jan Shore, I mean, it's a super close round. Super close round. But I think, the, at least to me, the more I watch it, the more I score it for Sterling. All right, we're going to take two more. Super, super quick, because I got to get out of here. Four-quarter sports, it's up. Four-quarter sports, are you there? All right, we lost you. I don't know what happened there. We'll get a heed in here. A heed, what's up? A heed. There he is. What's up, buddy? How are you? Too bad. All right. So, how should I go? Like, I go on rants, but like, I've got an idea, a great idea for Colby and Hamza. Is that enough for, um, like, are we going to go over time? Like, as in, uh... go for it. Okay, but we'll just go with... I just quickly need to say with, like, Sterling and Jan before I go for the idea. Um, Sterling and Jan, uh, I, I've watched that round because BT Sport put it up and I've watched it again and again and again. And someone said about, like, cage control and about, like, oh, some uh, Sterling landed more strikes. Listen, listen, like, you can't just start... Unless it's, like, in, it's somewhat, like... You can see it very clearly who landed the more strikes. You can't like just suddenly go to strike counter and try and play like a John Anik or something and just say this percent this person landed this uh, like five more strikes and that's no that that's where octagon control would count from. We can't like we can't keep playing this game, bro. Like it's it's a sport, but it's like also a fight. We can't start playing uh, playing this game. Oh, someone landed two more jabs, and that's recorded in the stats book. We can't do that. Like this, this that's silly. Uh, I think it was a draw. Like I, to be honest, I could even give that round. Like um, I would have given that round to like Piotr, but then like it's like round two. You have to give that like a ten eight just because like. It, I get what people are saying about damage and stuff, but here's the thing: like, how how can that round, like Sterling winning that round by that much, be the same as like Jan winning round five? You know, like if you're saying that's a ten nine, so 
it can't. It has to be tenor. It was much more dominant, and I think it's fair. So I think it draws fair. You could even give that first round like a ten. I'd give it like a ten ten, and then the set two and three uh, ten nine to Aljo and uh, four and five ten nine to Jan. But a draw draw seems fine. Now onto my idea. Okay, for Colby, like you do Colby and Hamza. Okay, that's the fight to do. Now, here's the thing. Everyone's talking about ABC. Like, uh, I, I'm British, so I don't really know how big that is. Apparently, that's a big thing. I'm assuming that's like a fight night main event, like Holloway and Cater. No, you can't do that. Kobe just headlined Madison Square Garden. And then he had Vegas all to himself. Numbered cards for both. You need to keep him on a numbered card. But here's the problem. You can't put Colby and Hamza as a main event of a numbered card because that's too weak. Like even, People were still upset over 272. That card, they would say, oh, well, that card isn't as strong as it could be. But, you know, it was just like it was a crazy beef, a backstory. So everyone just ran with it. You can't do that again. So here's what you do, okay? This is what you do. Johnny Bones Jones is coming back. Henry's saying he's coming back. I, I believe him as long as he doesn't get arrested and that's a big if but let's say John comes back okay John's coming back for the interim UFC heavyweight title now the only other person that's fighting for that title is Stipe Miocic so that's the main event okay so and you have John and Hamza co-main event you have Kobe Hamza five rounds now that's just a crazy fight card on its own but think about the press conference that'll be one of the greatest things on the internet like imagine Jones and Hamza on one side Dana all red faced in the middle and you've got Kobe in his like flamingo suit and Stipe and his bow tie because like forget Colby and Hamza for a second Colby and Jones has history they have history like as it uh, for people that don't know Colby and Jones um, they were they, you can't make this stuff up Colby and Jones shared a, a room uh, for one semester during university and what it is is that they Colby's talked so much about John like like absolutely crapped on John and he like I always wait to see them in a press conference because I want to see Colby just go off on John especially with John's recent um infractions of like domestic abuse John uh, Colby is going to absolutely brutalize him on the mic as he should as he should and but you know Colby's going to have an absolute field day um and obviously, John's not going to sit there and take it. John's going to give it back. So that's going to be entertaining. Hamza on the side is going to just like, start screaming, brother, brother, I'm going to smash you. Like, you call the cops, brother. And Kobe and Hamza, Kobe has a certain name for Hamza. Like, Mike, I'm sure you know what it is. And uh, anyone who else who doesn't know what it is, like, go look it up. I'm not going to say it on here. Um, so those two are going to go back and forth. That's going to be funny. And then Stipe is going to sit there and no one's going to understand a word that he says because it's all like inaudible, like static noise, like jumbled up together. But it's all good because he's a good guy, like got nice hair and everything. Just imagine like if you thought 268 was funny with Usman, like Colby and Gaethje, this will be like something. This will be comedy special because we need this. Like I wanted Masvidal and Colby, the 272 press conference to be funny that was terrible the audio was bad those two were acting like 12 year olds masvidal was acting like a five-year-old going ooh, 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 ooh. so that was poor that was we need like another entertaining one and this is it you know and the coco main event don't put him on the press conference but the coco main event shafkat rachmanov neil magni you do this in like august that fight's happening come on that that's a pretty good but that's a pretty good idea come on i i should replace sean shelby right now like, ah, uh, Heed. This is why we, we. This is why we cap off things with you. Um, I don't think it would. I mean, it would be interesting, and there'd be storylines attached to that press conference. But you know, it's just awful. Like, it's gonna be really terrible and awful and not fun. Uh, so that's that. Um, the ABC. Like, listen, if you could build up International Fight Week and, and put those on there, obviously everyone's gonna gonna be excited about it. What I think International Fight Week, especially that card, is going to look like if you do it in July. I think we're getting, I think it's going to be Adesanya Cannoneer. I think maybe we get Volkanovski Holloway three on that one. That's what I would like to see. I think that's a great sort of one-two pop right there. ABC for Colby. I think he'd be into it. Honestly, uh, obviously it's the it's the American Broadcasting Corporation, so Colby would would eat that up. But Colby is also well aware of the lineage and history of combat fights and events that have taken place on ABC 
And if they do it on ABC and John Anik and company are not wearing those gold blazers, then we riot because we need the we need them rocking the ABC gold blazers. So, yeah, I mean, and, and then with uh, the Aljo scoring, listen, if you want to give the first round to Piotr Jan, sure. I mean, again, it's super close. The more I watch it, the more I lean for Aljo. If you want to score that fight a draw, I'm fine with that too. That first round was super close, but the whole cage control conversation is, is just silly. Like we're, we're we're like three years beyond that at this point, so that's it. But I gotta get out of here. I, I was supposed to be out of here like 15 minutes ago, but we're taking my kid on a uh, a dolphin sightseeing tour in Hilton Head Island, South Carolina. So I gotta get out of here. Thank you all for chiming in. Thank you all for listening. If you missed most of it, it's gonna be heading to the podcast network in about 10, 15 minutes. So. You can enjoy the rest of the show there. We'll be back here on Thursday, 8 a.m. Eastern. We got BTL going down Thursday afternoon, 3 p.m. Eastern, MMA Fighting YouTube channel. And then Friday back here again with another heck of a morning, 8 a.m. Eastern. I'll be back in Florida, uh, actually recording Thursday and Friday. So Thursday might be interesting. All right, Thursday might be interesting. It might be another heck of an afternoon. I will keep you guys posted. But in the meantime, in between time, thank you all for listening. Have a heck of a day. Enjoy the rest of it. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S., and visit bellator.com slash watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it.